This is the On the Banks podcast, presented by SB Nation. Welcome to the On the Banks podcast. I'm your host, Greg Petuto, and we have officially made it to game week. Rutgers is preparing to travel to Boston to take on Boston College, a very talented Eagles team with plenty of expectations in a football game that will actually count toward the standings. And that just means that the best time of year is back. And for me, this is my favorite time of year. I've said it many times. The fall is my favorite season. Football season is the best. Um, I do high school around the state of New Jersey. So from Thursday night, starting with the NFL game through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and of course, Monday night, it is just dominated by football. The weather gets cooler. The holidays are coming. There's just a great feel a great smell, a great atmosphere in the air right now. And as football comes back, but also many other sports around Rutgers as well are underway and are performing well to this point. So we're going to dive into all of that on this week's episode. I also have a great interview with Trevor Haas of the Boston Globe as he joins me to discuss the matchup between Rutgers and Boston College, breaking down just different matchups that could change this game, along with the overall state of the Boston College program. Of course, I mentioned there are expectations for the Eagles team this season, and it would really be a big boost for Rutgers if they're able to come away with a victory and really set the tone for their season. It won't be an easy one on the road, but it would certainly set the tone if they are able to come away with this victory. That game will take place on Saturday, and there will be plenty of coverage on on the banks about that game, the betting line, the game preview. You'll get our staff predictions as we prepare for week one action. It's been discussed at length that the state of Rutgers Athletics is at maybe an all-time high it's in a great position moving forward and there are many teams to credit for that and it really begins with the women's soccer team last week they moved up to the number three ranking in the country one of the best teams in the nation expecting to make another run come postseason time but they're showing why they are ranked so high of course the opening victory we talked about last week they followed that up with a 5-1 to victory over UNLV and a shutout 3 nothing victory over Providence all on the road to start the season 3-0. and The home opener took place on Sunday, and it was a 2-1 to win over Buffalo. And that win kind of showed the grit of this Scarlet Knights team. They fell behind one nothing in the first half and had to battle back in the second, scoring two straight goals, really nine minutes apart. Uh, Riley Tierna with the first one, followed by Allison Lowry scoring, scoring her third goal of the season. That kind of showed the the grit, the toughness that this Rutgers team has. They don't fall too far behind. They're always in games, and they believe that they can win games even when they fall behind. And that's something that's going to help them over the course of the season and, of course, in the postseason. Uh, Megan McLennan pitching a shutout in the second half of that game, obviously giving up the goal early, but being able to keep Buffalo off the scoreboard in the second half, that was an impressive victory, and they're going to be back in action on Thursday back in Piscataway against Temple as they look to keep their undefeated start going. And they're number three in the standings right now. That's a way to, in the rankings, I mean, excuse me, that could even go up higher if the team continues that the way that they do. This non-conference schedule is important really across the board in all sports. Women's soccer is no different as the team prepares for a tough Big Ten schedule. They're playing well, they're cohesive, and you're seeing the 
the chemistry that this team has carrying over from last season, and that's something that the team wanted to do early on. It's important to get off to that quick start when you have expectations like this, and it seems as though the soccer team is certainly doing that. The men were also in action over the last week. They opened the season with a 4-2 win over Omaha on the road. Uh, they fell behind one nothing in that game before scoring four straight goals, two coming from M.D. Myers, and they were able to pick up their first victory of the season. They followed that up with a 6-1 to loss in Omaha against a talented Creighton team. So it will be interesting to see how the men bounce back from that performance as they also return home on Friday to take on Princeton. And, of course, a difficult season last year for volleyball as they struggled in Big Ten play, were able to win some non-conference matches, but struggled in Big Ten play, could really not get it going. This season, they seem to have another successful start um, in the non-conference. They're 3-0 and for the first time since 1998, which is something to be proud of with victories over Fresno State, the Citadel, and College of Charleston. So this is another team that is gaining some steam early, gaining some momentum, and hopefully they will be able to keep that going through Big Ten play. Again, where they struggled last season and will look to turn the, table, turn the tide a bit this season. Field hockey hosted the Battle of the Banks over the weekend with Duke and St. Joe's coming to Piscataway. Two top 20 teams, Duke at number 18 and St. Joe's at number 16. This is good experience for the eighth-ranked Scarlet Knights as they also prepare for the season. Two difficult losses to begin, but it's not time to push the panic button just yet. This is good experience for a team that plays a difficult schedule. And I said early on that there might be some turnover, losing some key pieces from their Big Ten championship team last season. It takes some time for the newcomers to gel, the newcomers to really get in with the system, build that chemistry, but that'll certainly be there. They lost 2-1 to to Duke in a in a shootout at the end at 5 nothing to St. Joe's. So the offense just isn't there yet. Rachel Houston scored the only goal of the season. But again, this is good preparation as the gauntlet in the Big Ten begins against teams like Ohio State. You're looking at Michigan and Northwestern, who are ranked in the top three. Iowa at number five. Maryland and Penn State are always tough. And even in the non-conference, Rutgers has to take on UConn and Delaware and Syracuse. This is It'll be a difficult run for this team, which has high expectations of its own. So these two losses early on, this is when you want to lose those games. This is when you want to go out there and really get these tough opponents on the schedule and get this team chemistry going. It's never easy when you come in with expectations, losing some of your key pieces. See, the difference there with women's soccer is they were able to return a lot of their all-conference players, a lot of their starters from last season. Field hockey does as well, but they also lost some major pieces that it might take some time to replace or find new roles for certain players. Of course, the fall season will continue over the next few months. There will be plenty to discuss as many teams around Rutgers look to make runs in the Big Ten. And while football might not be one of those teams where there's high expectations in the conference, it is still exciting to get them back on the field. They're around a touchdown dog to Boston College this week. So there has a chance for it to be a hard-fought game while They might not be giving as much love to Boston College with that spread. Rutgers has a chance to keep it close if they can muck this game up, make it a little ugly early on, and really execute the system that they come in with. And again, that is more that we'll get into in the interview with Trevor. Following the interview, I will break down a couple matchups that I believe can really turn this game and really have an impact on the field. But before we get to Trevor, we'll take a quick break. 
I am now joined by Trevor Haas of the Boston Globe to talk Rutgers and Boston College Week 1 action. Trevor, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, the overall excitement for having college football back. This is something I've discussed many times on this podcast. What would you say the overall vibe is around Boston College um, during training camp, the team, um, the coaches, the program, just the overall vibe as a whole? Yeah, it's definitely great. There's a new new energy, you know. I mean, I feel like the past few years were a little weird. I think we can all agree that two years ago was extremely weird. Last year was moderately weird. So this year should be a normal season. Just, you know, get back to college football the way we know it, the way we love it. So there's a ton of excitement around BC. Um, the last year, last couple of years, they've, you know, had a lot of potential, but things haven't really panned out the way they wanted them to. Last year, the starting quarterback, Phil Dracovic, got injured in week two, and he was never really the same when he came back late in the year. So they finished 6-6, six and six, um, which is kind of where they've been, give or take, for the past X years. So they've just been stuck in stuck in neutral, more or less. So I think this year there's a, ch- a chance to really take a leap and get to seven or eight wins. So it's kind of you know a lot of excitement that this could be the start of something bigger. You know, kind of sticking with that same tone that you just mentioned, there are some that expect Boston College could finish around, you know, potentially a top 25, top 30 team even. There might be some that tread a bit more lightly when discussing um, potential of this team. What do you believe the expectations are when going into this season, especially looking at the ACC? You know, Clemson is highly ranked once again, but coming off a down year. So who knows what to expect from them? Is there a chance that Boston College can surprise some people in the conference? Yeah, I think there's definitely a chance. I think the, the most important thing is staying healthy, as it is for most teams. I mean, you know, with Dracovic out last year, they weren't really the same team. So if he stays healthy, that will be huge. And if, say, Flowers stays healthy, their star receiver, that will be big as well. I think there is a chance that they'll sneak into the top 25 or maybe finish second or third in the ACC. I don't think they'll win the division just because, as you said, Clemson's right there. So that just makes things kind of tricky. But And they could, you know, who knows? They could beat Clemson. I don't expect it to happen, but it's possible. Um, but I think they will finish, you know, in that two to four range in the ACC uh, in their division. So I expect them to, you know, be at least seven and five, if not eight and four, just about kind of finishing above 500. They haven't had a, uh, a winning season um, in a couple of years and they haven't finished with eight wins since 2009. So uh, I think, it would, you know, if they can do that, that would be huge just to get over that, that hump and just kind of get to that next level they've been wanting to. Um, they finished six and five two years ago and six and six last year. So it's kind of just. You know, as I said, stuck in neutral, and it's a chance to really take the leap. And this team, this team doesn't have the potential to do that. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out. You mentioned six wins, of course, in the previous two seasons. This is now year three for Jeff Hafley. Is this unfair to kind of call it a prove it year to take that next step to eight or nine wins? Not necessarily saying that he'll be on the hot seat, you know, if they don't get to that mark, but just saying, you know, kind of prove it that he can take this team to that next level. Um, not necessarily, in my opinion. I think he's, you know, he's here for the long haul, as far as I can tell. I mean, you know, he's saying saying that every day. He's it is here to build it. It's going to take time. That's his big thing. He's not in any rush. I mean, you know, coaches say that obviously, but I, I get the sense that he really does want to stay at Boston College. I think he wants to build something special. Um, I think the recruiting classes they've had, you know, are getting better and better each year. So I do expect there's to be kind of a, a long term ascension. That you know, it, we'll see where it ends up when they finish the product, but. At the moment, I can I can see the product the progress being made. The recruiting classes are getting better. The on-field product is getting better. So this is kind of the next step, um, you know, to, to to make the wins better. So I guess if you look at it that way, it is a prove a year. But I don't think in terms of his status long term with the team, it is. I think just in terms of you know Phil and Zay and everyone coming back, Pat Garbo, their star running back, Jaden would be uh, a lot of guys, you know. Uh, they Josh DeBerry, they've been here forever, and they're just kind of they're it's their time to prove that like all right, we're we're more than this team, we're more than this 500 team. We we really do belong here as one of the better teams in the ACC. So I think collectively it is kind of a prove a year, but I, you know I don't think Halfley would be you know in jeopardy in any any sense like that. 
and, you know, kind of transitioning into this matchup a little bit. Um, the week one matchup, of course, in Boston College. Rutgers travels out there. The offensive line seems to have been the topic of conversation for Boston College heading into the season um, over the course of camp. And on the other side, the defensive line for Rutgers might not be their strongest unit, but there's expected to be a little bit of depth there. How can this overall um, matchup impact it, not only this game, but for Boston College, the season as a whole, if they do struggle up front a bit? Yeah, I think that's the, the key to this game and really the whole season. I think that, you know, every other position is, you know, rock solid. I mean, there's there's more depth in some positions than others naturally, but the consensus is that, that they feel confident every position. You know, their secondary is elite. Their wide receivers are elite. Running backs are elite. Dracovic's a beast. So I think they're pretty comfortable in most areas. Their defensive line depth is even much better than it's been in the past. So if that offensive line can, you know, take that next step, and no one's expecting them to be as good as last year's or great right away, but if they're at least competent at the beginning and then keep making strides as they go as the season progresses, I think that would be huge. So they do have the pieces there. It's not like this is a unit that doesn't have any skill or any potential. It's just a really young unit that hasn't really proven itself. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting opportunity for them, I'm sure. You know, they hear it every day. It's like this this team is, is really good, has a ton of potential, but the offensive line is not where it needs to be. And I'm sure that sticks with you. It would stick with me if I heard that. So I think these kids are, you know, they're mostly freshmen, sophomores, and juniors who have been here. Um, some of them a couple of years, some of them are new. So it's kind of up to them to, you know, prove it. So I think I think Rutgers will be a nice test. I don't think, you know, that defensive line is as good as one that they'll face in, you know, games like Clemson or Notre Dame or whoever, but it's solid, as you said. So I think this will be kind of a, a glimpse into what the season could look like for BC as the, the O-line tries to prove itself. And that offensive line is going to be tasked with protecting a, a very strong quarterback, as you mentioned, Phil Dracovic, back for this season. You wrote a great piece um, on the Boston Globe on his feeling and his overall mindset, you know, playing at Boston College compared to his days at Notre Dame. And obviously he's turning into an NFL prospect, you know, an overall game changer that has to give the team a spark immediately when you see him back for a year as he tries to stay healthy as well. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, there was always likely to come back. It was never a major surprise that he did, but there was always that chance that he could or he could transfer somewhere else. But he just seems extremely happy here. He seems to be at home. You know, I talked to him the other day for the story and he just said, you know, that he, kind of, he kind of was reborn, like revitalized when he came here. So he just kind of learned to love the game again and, you know, get a feel for what the sport that he fell in love with when he was a kid. So I think that, you know, he kind of lost his identity at Notre Dame and he alluded to that when he said that, you know, Brian Kelly wasn't necessarily his favorite coach to put a levy. Um, and, you know, he just didn't really enjoy his, his time there. Backing up Ian Book is obviously tough. Ian Book's great. We all know that. But Phil just felt underappreciated and kind of lost there. So I think now that he's found his identity, the, the product has come on the field. Um, he had a great year in 2020. He was excellent, one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC. And then last year, it just, you know, bad luck. He gets he falls down week two against UMass. That's just like the worst outcome possible. And he comes back um, later in the season, and his, his grip strength is not where it needs to be, which is not ideal for a quarterback, to say the least. So he got that out, which was pretty impressive. I thought he fared admirably, considering the circumstances. So this is uh, it's all about health. I think if he's this healthy, he's definitely a top three to five quarterback in the ACC, if not one of the top two. So I'm definitely curious, you know, how it shakes out for him. And I think it's, a, it's definitely a proven year for him in particular. And he definitely has some talented skill position players to work with. You know, Zay Flowers being back, the, the statistical leader over the last two years for the Boston College wide receivers. And the secondary for Rutgers might be the strongest part, not only of their defense, but of their team, you know, with a lot of key returners back, uh, Max Melton leading the way as their leading corner. So that will definitely be an interesting matchup to watch. At full strength, and if they reach, you know, full potential, just how explosive do you believe this offensive unit can be for Boston College with – you know, you mentioned Jerkovic, Zay Flowers, Pat Garver, all the pieces that they have in place. 
yeah, I think it's an awesome offense on paper. Uh, I think obviously we need to see how it looks. They have uh, first year offensive coordinator John McNulty just got here a couple months ago, so I'm curious to see what his offense looks like um, in comparison to Frank Cinetti, who went to Pitt. Um, I think the offense is going to be, you know, a lot of quick plays, a lot of kind of, you know, slants and things like that, just getting the ball to Zay Flowers and Jalen Gill in open space. Um, you just kind of letting them make plays and do their thing. Um, I think last year it was, you know, it was inconsistent. There were times where the offense was great, but times where it struggled. So I think a lot of those quick passes are going to be integrated. Um, they, they've emphasized over and over again how they want to just get Zay the ball, you know, as many times as they can. I think you will have a thousand yard receiving season. That's my prediction. I think it's recoverable pass for three, for uh, three thousand. So I do expect big things. I think the biggest thing with the offense is the, the wide receiver and tight end depth. Um, they just got a tight end, George Takis, but, uh, Joey Lucchetti just announced that he's retiring from football just due to medical reasons. He just kind of, you know, that, that was the end for him. So I think if their, if their depth, um, can live up to its potential, that would be huge. Their, their star power there is definitely, you know, pretty impressive, but it's just about that depth and kind of those third or fourth wide receivers, if they can be threats as well to, you know, so as they can be a decoy and a threat, I think that would be huge. Having Pat Garwell back in the backfield as well, um, he's among that group of playmakers that I mentioned before. And Rutgers does lack a bit of depth and experience um, in the middle of the defense at that linebacker position, losing some key pieces from last season. Garwell is obviously going to be a big piece in the offense, um, over the course of the entire season. But in, in a week one matchup like this, is there a way you could see him um, you know, gaining many touches over the course of this game? Or will Boston College kind of try a, different thi- um, a lot of different things out? Do you believe this is a matchup that could swing that game as well? Yeah, I think definitely. I think I think Pat Garo is one of the more underrated players in the ACC, in my opinion. I just think he no one really talks about him because he's you know he's not too not too doesn't really showboat. He's very modest. He just kind of does his thing. But I just think he's an excellent player. He's really dependable. You know exactly what you're getting out of him each game. So I do think that they, he could have a big game against Rutgers. Um, I think you know the offense all season they've kind of talked about how Zay is just going to go off. They're going to get him the ball over and over again, like I was just saying. So I think if, if you know if the Rutgers defense expects that, then you do a little. You know, the fake to Zay and then a little hit drop handoff to, to Pat and he kind of goes off or vice versa. Or you do a play action, try to get the Pat and go to Zay. I think they can work in tandem to kind of exploit that. So I would expect Garo to have over 100 yards this game. Um, if I had to guess, I think he's going to have a great season and I think he's, you know, someone to look out for as well. You know, switching to the defensive side of the ball for Boston College, um, Cam Arnold and Vinny De Palma back in the middle of that unit, which is a big uh, boost as well for that side of the ball. Would you say this is their strength defensively when looking at the linebackers? Or, um, you know, maybe is there another unit to watch that might be a little stronger? What would you say is the one to watch most in this game? Yeah, I would say the secondary is the strength of the, of the defense. If I had to choose one, um, I would say just Jaden Woodby. He's a guy who went to Florida State. Um, he was highly recruited out of high school from California. You know, really impressive player, just physical. He can he can kind of play any position on the defense if he had to, in my opinion. Um, but they've got him at strong safety, so I think he's a name you should know. Um, Josh DeBerry is also a great player. Um, he's a guy who could play in the NFL as well. Just a really solid, dependable player. Uh, one of their veterans back there. Um, and Halfley has, you know, coached, coached DBs um, for most of his career. So I think having that experience has gone a long way. Um, they had the, the number of four ranked pass defense in terms of yards allowed last year, so... I would expect that to continue in that you know in that general direction. Um, we'll see the numbers shake out, but they should be great there as well. But yeah, as you said, the linebackers are really good. They're really fast. Um, Cam Arnold is a guy I think will have a big year, as will Bryce Steele. And De Palma is just very dependable. He kind of you know knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. One of those kind of players. So I think those are the two strengths. And then the D line has even gotten better too. So 
I think the defense is going to be excellent. Um, so I know I've been raving about them, but I do think they're going to have a good year overall if they can stay healthy. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's interesting you mentioned the secondary. That's where I was going next, considering Rutgers lost Bo Mellon on the outside. You know, their number one playmaker. They were aggressive in the transfer portal, adding um, Taj Harris of Syracuse and Sean Ryan from West Virginia. Aaron Crookshank is still a bit banged up with an injury he suffered last year. And, of course, the quarterback situation, um, a starter's not been named. There is a chance that Rutgers uses multiple quarterbacks, um, not just in this game, but over the course of the season. So the secondary was going to be a... um, you know, definitely a question I had seeing how they would attack um, this Rutgers offense, though limited room there might be to operate for the Rutgers receivers on the outside. Yeah, well, it's interesting that chess match. I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like, you know, the, the pass defense was so good last year because the run defense wasn't very good. So they basically gave up 4.5 yards per carry. And, of course, they have that number on a you know big board now. It's like that's good. we got to get that down to 2.9 or lower, that kind of thing. So, they're you know, they realize that it's like, you know, teams are going to try to run the ball against them because they've had success in that area. Um, last year, I think the, the biggest weakness for the defense last year was, you know, dual threat quarterbacks like Malik Cunningham or Gary Schrader from Syracuse who just kind of, you know, went off. Like, they, they, you know, they had no answer for them. They just kind of, you know, went wild. And, and BC had no real answer to, to stop them. So I think that's the biggest thing. So maybe Rutgers can exploit that. Um, you know, if, if one can run more than the other, one can pass more than the other, just keep them honest and kind of, you know, see if see if that works. Because the pass defense is, is really solid. I don't think that Rutgers will have too much success in that area, but I could be wrong. We'll see. We went over a lot of different uh, matchups here. What is the one you see that could change this game the most on either side, whether it is, you know, Rutgers offense, Boston College defense, um, offensive, defensively for either side, just a matchup that you can see having the biggest impact on this game? Yeah, I think just the offensive and defensive line, just Boston College's offensive line, Rutgers' defensive line. As I mentioned earlier, I think that's just the biggest matchup in this game. So we don't really know much about the O-line. We know these guys are highly recruited. We know they're working hard with all that stuff, those cliches, but we don't know what they're actually going to look like on the field. So I think if we see that the offensive line is holding its own, giving Phil some time to get the ball to Zay, I think that BC is going to win this game relatively handily. But if that doesn't happen, Phil gets sacked and he gets uncomfortable, he gets aggravated, then then it could get interesting. So in my opinion, that's the biggest matchup in the game. I got to get a final prediction here before I let you go. The spread for this game's lingered around a touchdown. I believe it's up to seven and a half now, obviously in favor of Boston College being the home team. Do you see this game being as hard fought as the odds makers might think? Or like you mentioned, if all things go right, can Boston College run away a bit? Yeah, I think somewhere in the middle between close and a runaway. I've been saying thirty-one seventeen is my official prediction. I think it will be. I think it will be a game. I think it will be back and forth, good football, entertaining. But I think BC just has a little more firepower offensively and defensively. So I expect them to win somewhere in like the you know the ten to twenty range, something like that. So I'll say thirty-one seventeen. All right, Trevor, this was great. Thank you again for joining me and talking some Week One football. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Trevor Haas of the Boston Globe for joining me to discuss this week one matchup between Boston College and Rutgers. And it was interesting to hear him say how he could see this game getting out of hand because when this line first came out and I saw it around a touchdown, I was a bit confused as well. And I just thought this was a little disrespect, a little uh, looking ahead. Not uh, It said more about Boston College than it did about Rutgers and as it keeps getting closer and closer to the game over the course of this offseason, I kept thinking the same thing, but the line has remained. I'm curious to see how it plays out this week, and especially Friday into Saturday, to see if that line jumps. Because on paper, and we just went over it at length a bit at different positions, 
the Boston College looks like they're the more talented team. They have the edge at quarterback with Phil Jerkovich, considering Rutgers hasn't named a starter yet and most likely won't. And even if they, when they do, it is likely to be the morning of the game, but that's not going to be the player that's going to get you know, a majority of the snaps, I would say, or will get a majority of the snaps, I would say, excuse me. But it is very likely that Rutgers uses multiple quarterbacks. And I've said multiple times, I think it's Noah Vedrill and Gavin Wimsett that will be getting the bulk of the play, obviously. Evan Simon will find his way into a game every now and then, but the Rutgers will use the multiple quarterback um, spot. And Jerkovich being an NFL prospect just gives them an immediate edge so like Trevor said in our interview and like it's going to be the major topic the battle between the defensive line of Rutgers and the offensive line of Boston College is going to be the matchup that can turn this game if Rutgers is able to make this an ugly matchup and get to Jerkovich the offensive line of Boston College lost four starters from last season and their one returner tore his ACL in camp. So they have an entirely new offensive line to work with. And despite having the skill positions back, that could be something to watch um, and something that is very, very difficult to overcome because, again, Jerkovic has Zay Flowers back. He's got Pat Garwell back. They have talent at the skill positions that could give Rutgers fits, if he, especially if he has time. I think that's the only way that Rutgers finds a way to stay in this game is they'll have to do it on the defensive side of the ball, which will be the case in many games because the offense for Rutgers should leave much to be desired. This is an offense that scored under 20 points a game last season, and I really don't see it getting much better. Um, We don't know who the quarterback is. Isaiah Pacheco's gone, so the running backs are a bit fresh, you know, not used to the workload, not used to being the major contributors. A new set of wide receivers. Aaron Crookshank still banged up a bit. Tight ends are obviously very, very thin. And the offensive line for Rutgers looks deep on paper. But again, this is a unit that hasn't gelled. When I speak about the offensive line at Rutgers, I still use the word shaky. And that's not to say that this is going to be a bad unit. It should be improved from the last two seasons. But this is a unit that just has not worked together. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can gel and how long it takes them to come together over the course of the season. If Boston College is able to protect Jerkovich, is able to maintain drives this is going to be a game that they could have a chance to run away with because of their their potential explosiveness that Rutgers will not be able to keep up with that's the one area where Rutgers might be able to you know gain a bit of an edge despite losing some key members of that defensive line you know Mike Tverdov is gone Julius Turner is gone but Aaron Lewis will have to step up he's a name um Keontae Hamilton, we're going to see a bit of him. There's still players on that line, and there's depth that could make this an ugly game early on, and that's got to be the the game plan for Rutgers, Rutgers on the defensive side of the ball because otherwise it could be a long afternoon. And I keep bringing up the spread in this game for all you for all you gamblers out there because it's an interesting one to look at. It just went over a touchdown to seven and a half, which is a shaky number. But at the same time, if all goes right for Boston College, it's really hard to see them not covering that number with the the talent that they have, 
really on both sides of the ball. They're very experienced on both sides of the ball. I mentioned the linebackers for Boston College coming back, Cam Arnold and Vinny De Palma. They're just rock solid. They have a good defensive line and a really good secondary, which might be the strength of their team, like it is for Rutgers as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what side can really gain the advantage. For Boston College, it's going to be trying to get that fast start, that quick start, and get some points on the board against an offense that struggles. And for Rutgers, it's going to be attacking the quarterback and trying to slow down the explosive um, skill position players that Boston College has on that side of the ball. So again, the season kicks off on Saturday. It's going to be an entertaining week. Here at On the Banks, we have... um, breaking down more of the betting trends coming to you on Wednesday. Of course, the game preview coming on Friday. We will have our staff predictions out on Friday as well, the On the Bank staff contributing to our roundtable discussion. And then, of course, more coverage as Shiano speaks one more time before game week. Once week one is over, that is when we'll start getting a second episode per week, meaning we'll have coming on Monday or Tuesday early in the week, a, pre, a quick recap, shorter episodes of this podcast recapping the game that was just played, followed by an uh, episode later in the week recap, uh, previewing excuse me, the upcoming opponent. That is likely where we will have our guests slotted in on Thursday or Friday to preview the upcoming game as the Rutgers season goes on. So... Everybody, enjoy the week. We have Rutgers football coming up on Saturday, a game that means something. And again, it is the best time of year. It's time for all of us to enjoy it. So to everyone out there, enjoy the game and enjoy the first full slate of college football. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to the On The Banks podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search On The Banks.